Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes at the time of recording. It is Monday, January 15th, 4.44 p.m. My name is Josh Malnix. On today's pod, a new set of AP polls and Marquette bounces back against Villanova at home. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. For the first time, Josh Doring, here with me. Happy birthday. Thank you. For the first time since 2009, which is kind of wild, by the way, the Connecticut Huskies, UConn, the fighting Dan Hurley's, number one in this week's AP poll, one of four teams to get first place votes, but they were easily the favorite, easily taking the number one spot in this week's AP poll. Hard to really argue with it, considering mm-hmm. Purdue has lost twice here recently. Right. Because you and I are both big believers that just because you lose doesn't mean you have to go from the number one spot. But when it happens two weeks in a row and UConn is just taking care of business, it, it does show, right, that you had four teams with the first place votes. It was by no means unanimous. But ultimately, I think it's the right decision. And it is kind of weird that... Yeah, because Purdue was also undefeated in non-conference last year. There just hasn't been a point where UConn has actually been the best team in the country during the regular season. They just, you know, go win national championships sometimes. Yeah, that just seems to be the thing that they end up doing, which if you if you ask them to pick, do you want to be number one in the AP poll or at the end of the season you want to be the only team that ends the year with a win? I think it's pretty obvious which one they would pick. They did get to number two last year. Yep. Um, in the December 19th and December 26th AP polls, they were number two. I believe you know that would have been when Purdue, I think. Yeah, that was yeah, lost per, yet. right. Purdue was also um, undefeated in non-conference. Yeah. And then of course we know what happened to UConn early in conference play. I mean, the first third of conference play, really. Um, they drop all the way to 24th in the January 30th poll, make it back all the way up to 10th in the final AP poll. And then of course, win the national championship. So that stretch that they went on in November and December got them very close, but not quite to, to the tippity top. But Josh, the, the story is in a week when lots of conferences, you know, lots of teams lost, whether it was a road game in conference play to a, a quality opponent, um, and had hiccups along the way, UConn just taking care of business, you know, in this week, you know, they got to play, they beat Xavier on the road. They got to play Georgetown at home, beat a, a feisty Butler team that was in that game at Hinkle Fieldhouse for basically the entire thing. But in a week where some of the other top teams in the country took losses in conference play, it was UConn that held strong didn't it didn't end up with a with a loss and is able to ascend to the top of the rankings really the big story here for me and i talked about this on thursday because it was pretty clear it was going to happen gonzaga only got five points right that is a 143 week ap top 25 streak that got snapped not surprising they lost as of what were they 23 or something to santa clara Mm-hmm. I mean, they were going to be out of the poll. 
So yeah. that to me is the other storyline here. The fact that Kansas didn't move <laughs> sums up how the week went. Yeah. <laughs> right. Very much so. you, you win some, you lose some. They got a really good win over Oklahoma at home. So that's enough to just keep you right there. You got Baylor up five spots, Wisconsin, who probably if they had started a little bit better would be a top, what, five to eight team in the country right now with the way they're playing, what they're doing in the Big Ten, up to 11, Utah State 16, Creighton 18. They all moved up four spots. Those are some of your big winners. The other thing, did you count how many Big 12 teams are in there? I have not. I can do it quickly. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight. Is that correct? Yep. That's a lot of teams. So that's that's my quick math. That's a fourth of basically just under. I'm sorry, just under a third of the poll is Big Twelve teams. Yeah, yeah. Eight of the fourteen. Over half of the conference is ranked. Sure. sure. Now, part of this is okay. They did have twenty four and twenty five at Iowa State and Texas Tech, but also. That's a pretty good 24 or 25, considering how they're playing right now. Now, I know mm-hmm. neither of them had great resumes before they got to Big 12 play. But it was a very clear, these teams are going to be ranked on Monday. The question is where. And they just snuck in. But you can make an argument they should have been closer to 20. So, really, really impressive there. Marquette, Oklahoma dropped six spots. Arizona's down to 12. Those are some of the other notable movements. But, yeah, I, there was a lot going on here. I'm not usually excited to see AP polls. But both the men's and women's sides this week were pretty interesting because of everything that happened in the last week. The last thing I'll throw out there before we get to the women's top 25, uh, North Carolina, a team that a lot of people have on their very short list for Final Four at this point, that's playing maybe like the best team in the country. Um, There are not many teams that have an argument against North Carolina right now. Move up from seven to fourth but also receiving a vote, just one, but a vote for the number one team in the country, which is, uh, which is significant. And I think a, a good, uh, a, a good way to, to, to measure and see just how well uh, Hubert Davis's team is playing right now. I have no issue with North Carolina getting first place votes, none whatsoever. Right now in a week, in a week like this, uh, absolutely not. Absolutely. That's the best. I mean, they probably have the best resume in the country at this point, right? Got to be one of them. With the non-conference schedule they played and the fact that they've kind of survived it and now, okay, maybe they got an extra loss in there that the Yukons and Purdue's don't have. But generally, they're in the ballpark with all the other top five teams. Mm-hmm. And, boy, and of course, Purdue really tested themselves. It's not like North Carolina's the only team that played a hard schedule. But they had that stretch where they were just playing ranked opponents every game, it felt like. So, yeah, absolutely. They're playing really, really well. And... I mean, the AC, I think it's just two ACC teams that are ranked, UNC and Duke. So there's a lot more wins coming from the Tar Heels. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I fight that we, we won't. We I'll be surprised if we see UNC outside of the top 10, 6, 7 in the AP poll anytime, anytime soon, unless they take a loss against an ACC team they shouldn't. So I suppose it's a little bit of a double-edged sword that it might not be as hard to stay up there yeah. uh, as it would be if you're in – the Big 12, but if you lose one game that you shouldn't, then then you might you might drop. But that's the men's poll. On the women's side of things, South Carolina now the only undefeated team in the top 25. Do you know is there is there another undefeated team anywhere in the country? I don't believe so. South Carolina 
15 and 0 after some losses to undefeated teams this week. Get all 36 first place votes. Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes move up to number two, but uh, it's still the Gamecocks uh, strong in that number one spot. Yeah, that has a lot to do with USC beating UCLA. Juju Watkins is something else. We didn't specifically mention this game, so I wanted to bring it up here. Those are just really fun matchups between those two teams. They're now fifth and sixth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's not a lot to just put between them resume-wide. That's going to be a really, really fun race down the stretch because there's obviously lots of Pac-12 games left, and they are very much neck and neck, all kinds of talent there. Colorado gets a top-10 win over Stanford. They're up to third right behind Iowa. LSU inexplicably loses to Auburn. That's a huge win for the Auburn program, so they're down to 10. Shout out Kansas State, highest ranking since 2003, up to seven. Mm-hmm. UConn, who I was thinking about this, has basically flipped their schedule where they play the non the, the the more difficult part first, and then they get to Big East play, <laughs> where they're just destroying. Now, yes, there are some ranked Big East teams at the end there, Creighton and Marquette, but UConn's just obliterating people now, so they're up to number nine. Baylor, rough week, down to 12. And then Florida State's the other team I wanted to mention real quickly. We talked about them couple weeks ago they gave North Carolina State all they could handle and then they beat North Carolina and Virginia Tech so really good week for Florida State they're up to 15 that was the other really notable team for me do you think South Carolina loses in the regular season you know what I'm gonna say yes okay because of the existence of LSU because as you're seeing this season, there are some there are some good teams in the SEC that aren't getting a lot of credit or that yeah. the, the bottom of that conference is legit, as LSU just learned with that Auburn game. Yeah. So I, I th- this is not one of those juggernaut South Carolina teams. At least I'm not convinced it is yet where they're just going to destroy everybody because they've got, you know, four future top 10 WNBA picks and four All-Americans on it and things like that. Clearly, sure. they're the best team in the country right now. But I, if, you, if I had to guess, between the regular season and the NCAA, they are not going to go undefeated and win the, the tournament. In the next two weeks, they go at LSU. They go at that Auburn team that just beat LSU. Um, they still have a game against UConn on the schedule. That's on February 11th. Um, so there will be there will be days where where South Carolina will will go against teams that at least uh, whether it's you have no doubt they have the talent or uh, against teams that have proven that on the right night they can beat uh, really high level teams. So uh, plenty of challenges to come over the next month and a half or so before we get to the tournament. But uh, we're now getting to the point where uh, it needs to to at least be part of the discussion is are we going to see a wire-to-wire performance from South Carolina this year? Sure. Really, you know, there are a couple games of note. Um, today, Michigan actually beating Ohio State is one With that... five in attendance. There you go. Um, Ohio State's, you know, 
ability to win big 10 games at any consistent rate is something that is haunting Chris Holtman and his tenure uh, in Columbus. At this point, they just start to look like a completely different team. Once you get to big 10 play and it doesn't really matter what you do in non-conference, if you can't back it up with uh, a quality conference performance and you're not even getting semi average conference performances from Ohio state the last couple years it's been it's been pretty grim uh and it would be tough to see them really go down a slippery slope after the the first half of the season that they've had specifically what we're going to touch on real quick number 17 marquette 87 villanova 74 this game was probably a little closer than that score suggests it was not a foregone conclusion you know halfway through the second half who was going to win this game marquette pulling away with an 8-0 run in the last couple of minutes but this was a game that josh you could go all the way to you know 7:45 left in this game it was 61 it, you know 8:32 it was 59 to 57 um and then marquette for at least the majority of the last five minutes kind of keeping Villanova at arm's length, but it was more at a six to eight point arm's length, not a 10 to 12 to 14 point arm's length, but went on a, went on a little bit of a run and it went from 74, 68 to 85, 71 in the last couple of minutes, but still a competitive game uh, in, uh, in Milwaukee this afternoon. The first half was balanced. Marquette, won the points in the paint battle 34 to eight and Villanova shot nine of 18 from three. Uh (laughs) Therefore very close game at halftime. And then it continued to slowly go in Marquette's favor of where Villanova only hits five threes in the second half. Oso Godaro continues to dominate. Tyler Kolick gets going. Yeah. Villanova hung in there for about 30 minutes and then slowly, but surely Marquette, as you would expect at home in a game that they really needed to get this thing on track, to keep themselves at least somewhat alive in the big East title race, to not let this spiral out of control. They needed to get this win and they showed up and did just that. Yeah. Big story here for me is that Tyler Kolick kind of stopped this, this, I mean, mini free fall he was on in the last couple of games Uh, heading into this game in in their back-to-back losses to Seton Hall and Butler. Two of 19 from the field, one of 10 from deep. I'm still doing his thing in in the assist category, but uh, he got back on the right track in this game. He had 21 on 7 of 14 shooting. The three-point shooting still an issue for Marquette. They're down to 250th or so in the country. They're the worst three-point shooting team in the Big East thus far. But And they were 7 of 23 and at 1.5 of 20. So they finished 2 of 3 from the three-point line. So to make that look like a little bit better of a 30% as a team. But when Tyler Kolick is 21, 11, and 5 and has 11 assists to 2 turnovers and is efficient from the field this Marquette team you know scores 87 points they're you know the top 10 offense in the country that uh they're advertised to be so it was nice to see him get back on track after a pretty grim couple of games shooting for the All-American and they need him too if they're not going to hit threes yep they're good enough I do think they're good enough to survive without it are they good enough to win the conference without shooting the ball probably not just because UConn's been so good yeah but they're good enough to win this these kind of games 
as long as they dominate inside and Iguodaro and Kolek play up to what we know they're capable of, which is exactly what happened in this game. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention on Marquette's side too, Sean Jones, unfortunately done for the year. Chase Ross unavailable for this game. All of a sudden you're running out of players. But yeah. Ben Gold, Trey Norman, Zay Lowry, your guys off the bench, maybe they weren't spectacular, but Lowry hit a couple of threes. They made things happen. That was the other part of this that I was looking at is, okay, can you get production from more than five guys? And in this game, the answer was yes. That's going to be important for Marquette moving forward too because Sean Jones, unfortunately, is not coming back. Yeah. You need to find other guys to produce, and they did find that in this one. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the fact that Cam Jones was 10 of 12 from the field in this game, 22, 6, and 4. He was excellent. Marquette's guys were were awesome, right? I mean, it was... 21 from Kolek, 22 from Jones, 18 from uh, Igadaro. You got, you know, nine from Stevie Mitchell, David Joplin, seven points. It was, you know, those three guys are going to be the guys that carry Marquette as, as far as they're going to go, uh, especially as you, as you mentioned, start to run out of players. But when you get that and you get some production elsewhere, um, you know, Ben, Ben gold doesn't score in this game, but he has three blocks and three assists. So yep. uh, impacting the game in other ways, it was clearly enough to beat Villanova on this particular day. Uh, we'll just see if this version uh, of Marquette that dug themselves the hole that they did in Biggie's play has enough firepower to uh, get themselves back into the Biggie's conversation. They kind of did this last year too. I don't think it was this extreme, but I believe they lost at least their first conference game. They went, they, they won at home against Creighton to begin conference play and then okay. lost to Providence okay. Uh, okay. In, in game two. So, they have done this before. Now the difference is that UConn fell apart immediately. Yeah. <laughs> so you weren't chasing a UConn team that is playing its best basketball, even without having Donovan Klingon. So that that's different. The, the other thing for Villanova, if you're going to take a positive here, they did play pretty well defensively. They got to figure some things out because they could not stop anybody. Mm-hmm. But also Mark Armstrong is scoring the basketball for the first time in his career. Yeah. That, 14, 15, the, 24 in the last three yeah. games. And shooting the ball well. That is a really, really good thing, even if it doesn't transform this season. Just moving forward to finally see him start to realize his potential and play at a really, really high level, that's something good for Kyle Neptune if you can take away. And ultimately, it's probably going to come down to the the non-conference schedule and how that plays out. I mean, that North Carolina win just keeps looking better and better. Yep. Also, you lost the Philly five games, but they're not going to go 16 and four in conference or something. They're probably right about where they're going to be. They're going to win most of their conference games, but not all of them. And they'll probably win some of the tougher games like they beat Creighton and they're not going to win at Marquette. The question is, is it going to be ultimately enough to put them where they want to be because of what they did to themselves with being so inconsistent in non-conference? Villanova has wins over Maryland, Texas Tech. They they in four straight games beat Maryland, Texas Tech, North Carolina, and Memphis in four <laughs> straight games. And then rattled off losses to St. Joe's, Drexel, and Kansas State, which is not, you know, nobody's faulting you for losing on the road at Kansas State. But and then picked it right back up with four straight wins, UCLA, Creighton, DePaul, and Xavier. I'm very frustrated with how I have to feel about Villanova because they couldn't be the best team in Philly this year. Right. Or because they are the best team in Philly this year, they just didn't show it in the games against Philly teams. 
And they're looking like still one of the best four teams in the Big East. Yes. <laughs> they do, they aren't that far away from where... Now, they're not quite the... I'm not sure that being a top four team in the Big East is, is completely what I thought it was going yes. to mean. Sure. But ultimately, Villanova's not that far away from where we thought they were going to be. It's yeah. just clouded both their resume and just the way that people feel about them. It clouded by the inexplicable performance that they you know presented in the big five games this year and and maybe it's fifth because st john's is playing really good basketball right and seton hall also playing really good so they're in that conversation between four to six though which is basically where everybody thought they'd be right you got anything else i was going to mention the michigan game but you already talked about it Mm -hmm. at least they got a win and i really thought this ohio state thing was was sorted out evidently not that's a that's a tough loss that I know road games are tough no matter where you are, no matter who you're playing in the Big Ten. You gotta find a way to win them somewhere though. And that's one of the easier ones on your schedule. And they couldn't yep. get it done. Yep. Some fun conference action to get into tomorrow. You got a you've got an all Indiana showdown, Purdue heading to Simon Scott Assembly Hall, which is never something that is easy to do for the Boilermakers, Florida versus Tennessee. There will be plenty to talk about. Baylor takes on Kansas State in a top 25 matchup between Iowa State and BYU. So plenty to talk about tomorrow. We'll talk about it then. That's going to do it for today, though. Monday, January 15th, it is just after 5 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. And we will see you tomorrow.